Welcome to Superhero Cinema, the weekly show about superheroes on TV and the movies and in comic books. I'm Michael. I'm Jefferson. And I'm Jonathan. And this is issue number one, a collector's edition, our first show for the second week in March 2007. So no further introductions, let's go ahead and get started with the news for the week. As always, you can get additional info and links to these stories online at our website, SuperheroCinema.com. The front page of the site will always keep you updated on the latest info about superhero movies and TV shows from all over the web. Okay, so for the first story, um, I wrote down about Iron Man. Uh, for those who haven't been following that story, uh, Iron Man, well, the story right now, the news is that it starts shooting next Monday, March 12th. Uh, John Favreau is directing. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. is starring as Tony Stark. Terrence Howard uh, is, is uh, starring as Jim Rhodes. Gwyneth Paltrow is Pepper Potts, his secretary. Uh, Jeff Bridges, his character has not been named yet. But uh, an interesting note that John Favreau put on his blog recently was that he, ha- he was going to ha- be in a character with an interesting haircut. Hmm. An interesting <laughs> haircut in a, in a movie about Tony Stark. Yeah, I'm not, not sure if man. that's what you want to be worrying about in the pre-production stages of your movie. Well, but I think that that's a, I think that's a pretty good telling on who it's going to be because I'm trying yeah, to think who in in Tony Stark's world has an interesting haircut, and and the one person I can think of would be Nick Fury. Oh yeah, I guess that's true. I, you know, I can't think of anyone else that would have distinctive hair. Now, the thing that would be interesting about that is that I know that they are planning on trying to do a Nick Fury movie. So I don't right. know how that would conflict with that. It, it, normally, that's that's a big issues. You can't cross over characters like that if 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 there's mm-hmm. another project being worked on. And I know there's a Nick Fury being project being worked on. So this wouldn't it be like an introduction for that character. Well, that that could Electra work if, if if they're going to go that way. Uh, yeah, I just can't hardly... think of who else it would be. I mean, they've only the only other reference when they when they cast Jeff Bridges, they announced that he was going to be playing a colleague of Tony Stark. Hmm. But they, you know they hardly ever do that in uh, in movies. They don't really introduce characters for other movies, right? Because normally it, it, that property is probably owned by someone else for who who's mm-hmm. going to produce it. It might be a completely different studio, definitely con, you know different producers. So unless it's it's all set up by the same people. Although in this case, you know, it it, it the only it would be possible because this the Iron Man is the first project that's actually being produced by Marvel themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, last, or actually not last year, two years ago now, coming up on two years ago, they got a deal, they got financing from Merrill Lynch. It was like $500 million or something like that over a certain period of number of years for a certain amount of characters to produce their own films. Yeah, I remember when that story hit. Yep, and, and the idea of that is that they don't, you know, they, they stand to make much more if the films hit big. You know, right. The way they have it now, when they're just licensing the characters and people are just paying them a fee, if the if the film makes huge amount of money, they don't see any additional money for it. The mm-hmm. good side is if the film tanks, which quite a few of them have, it doesn't affect Marvel at all. In this right. case, <laughs> if, if a lot of these films tank and they have to pay back this line of credit, that could be a problem. But if even mm-hmm. one of them hits big, then Marvel's going to be in really good shape. I'm um, sure, and that this could is, really sorry. give them a doorway into the movie business you know do more of what dark horse has done and actually become a movie production company rather than just a license holder right and then this iron man is the first production under that um the second one is is hulk which uh i don't think even starts shooting till sometime next year i don't think they've they're, they're even far enough along to even be talking about when it starts shooting but iron man is the first one under that and that's why they've definitely stacked the deck i mean when you look at that cast uh, yeah. robert downey jr terrence howard gwyneth paltrow jeff bridges all at least oscar nominees and i'm mm-hmm. sure that's just so that in the trailer they can go you know oscar winner gwyneth paltrow oscar nominee terrence howard oscar nominee robert downey jr and oscar right. 
winner or nominee Jeff Bridges. I can't remember. One or the other. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But that was definitely them trying to stack the deck to, you know, absolutely make sure that, you know, they throw everything into, into this film trying to do well. Mm-hmm. And so the Nick Fury film also would be under that same production arrangement. So this would be one case where they could do that. It's possible if they, if they were thinking that far ahead, which Marvel maybe. I mean, movie production houses tend to look at movie projects yeah. individually without thinking about crossover possibilities. But, of course, Marvel knows how much money crossovers make, so... Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows what yeah, their studios thinking. don't think that way at all. Definitely, right? They they think which, which franchises. Is, yeah, which is why Marvel getting into movie production could conceivably really neat. Yep. You know, if they they're able to bring some of that thinking, that non movie house thinking to it, it just remains to be seen whether or not they'll be able to do that, or whether they'll just make more formula movie product. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of anyone else in Iron Man's Tony Stark's life who would would be a male with an interesting haircut. Yeah. No, I can't. I'm, I have to admit I'm not that familiar with Iron Man. I haven't read a ton of, of Iron Man comics. I don't really know his whole cast of characters, but I can't. And one of I can't ex- think of anyone. One other exciting thing about it is the Iron Man suit. There will be a combination, obviously, when he's flying, and for most of the action sequences, probably a lot of it's going to be CGI, even, mm. although uh, John Favreau has made a big point in, in his recent films of trying to do as little CGI as possible. He's really not a huge fan of it, and when he right. uses it, he likes it to be as natural and, and working into the, into the film as seamlessly as possible and not beating you over the head with it. Um, his most recent film was Zathura, if you saw that. Um, Didn't see Zathura. Um, but the, the for any of the regular non-fully action or flying scenes, uh, they will be doing several physical suits, and the physical suits are being designed by Stan Winston. Neat. Yep, who oh, did that's pretty good. design the Terminator. So yeah, so, hopefully so. those will look good and not, you know, too clunky. So it should be interesting. The uh, They have already targeted the release date. That's May 8th, 2008. So that's that's over one year from now. Obviously, they're not going to start shooting next week and be out in mm-hmm. May of this year. Uh, and they're doing <laughs> Mandarin for the villain, is that right? Mandarin, yeah, will be the villain, although they have not announced any casting on that. Um, John mm-hmm. Favreau has said he, he will obviously be Asian, but the, right. that's about the only details about that at all. I, I think the choice of, of Pepper Potts is just interesting just because I don't think she's even been in the comics for, what, like 20 Actually, years she... Now? Bounces in and out of them. The last story arc that I read, she was actually in. Oh, okay. Um, but actually, the, mo- the, the more recent stuff that I read uh, that Warren Ellis wrote, she wasn't in. So they kind of bounce her in and out of the story, depending. She's kind of like the, the Vicky Vale of Iron Man. Sure. When writers need her, they put her in, otherwise they don't. Yeah, I guess she's just... she considered a love interest? or I'm not exactly familiar with that character. Um... She's I more of a, a spunky sidekick, yeah, really. Yeah, I don't know if they ever got together. There was definitely flirtation between them, but she was, uh, at mm-hmm. the time, back in the original Iron Man comics, he had a bodyguard, was uh, was Happy Hogan, uh, was, a, I believe, a former boxer who, who uh, was his bodyguard and was always with him, and Pepper was his secretary, and Pepper and Hogan actually got together. Uh-huh. Happy, Happy Hogan. Mm-hmm. Now so, I know why I was happy. Yeah, so, <laughs> so they, I believe they actually got married and have been married for a long time in the comics. We're talking mm-hmm. like yeah, that, that sounds familiar. So I don't know if they ever, you know, they might have had a thing, but I, but they were never really together or anything, Tony and, and uh, Pepper. Yeah. I'm sure that'll change for the film. Yeah, I, I think you're not going to get Gwyneth Paltrow and not have her be a love interest. Right, exactly. They may do this sort of spider-man one thing where he he decides he's going to be a superhero instead of having a relationship right she'll still be there as some kind of romantic interest i'm sure okay so moving on to story two for this week uh talking about the new fantastic four film rise of the silver surfer that's still just watch the 
just watched the trailer again this morning. Oh, great. That's that's the newest one from Heroes last week? Yeah. It sure looks neat. It looks neat. Um, <laughs> it sure uh, looks pretty. <laughs> comes out June 15th. Um, people have probably seen the trailer. The trailer does definitely show off the surfer is, is the mm. idea. And uh, he's being played by Doug Jones, who uh, from Hellboy played Abe Sapien. Right. He was just in uh, Pan's Labyrinth, yep. also by Guillermo del Toro. Yep. I believe he played at least two different characters in that. I movie. think so, yeah. Yep. I've not seen that yet. A great movie. Gorgeous okay. movie. I definitely would like to see that. Yeah. Uh, but in this, he is the Silver Surfer, and uh, there was a big deal about the fact that in, in Hellboy for Abe Sapien, he did not get to do the voice of Abe Sapien. They used someone else's voice for that, and mm -hmm. I know he fought David Hyde Pierce. Yep, David Hyde Pierce. And the interesting thing is when you've heard Doug Jones's voice, it sounds remarkably like david hyde pierce sure and in the the series of hellboy animated <laughs> yep. movies that yep. are coming out it is doug jones yeah they the did voice. let him do the voice for the animated uh -huh. for uh, hellboy sword of storms which just came right. out on dvd recently and um, uh, got, he'll be doing that that's great also he'll be doing this there's a second one coming mm -hmm. it hits dvd in may i think and he's Something doing like the that. voice for that too yep they're actually, uh, I, I have it one of the stories later on, but it wasn't a big story, so we can just throw that in right now. The, they are talking about starting Hellboy 2, I believe, as early as May to start mm -hmm. shooting that. Wow. To probably have it out for, for next year, yeah, for I would next guess. Year. So back to Fantastic Four. So Doug Jones fought hard to get to do the voice of the Silver Surfer, which we have not heard mm -hmm. yet in the, in the trailers at all. That would be interesting. Um, there's been some talk or rumor or worry about how Galactus is going to be done. I mean, they have confirmed that Galactus is involved in the film, but Good, how... I, I would imagine he would be. He has yeah, to be, right? how can you do the Silver Surfer story without Galactus? Absolutely. You know, I, I read a, a little short interview with um, uh, the guy who plays Reed Richards, mm -hmm. and uh, he was seemed to be intimating that Galactus is there more as sort of a presence. We're not actually going to see the big guy standing there over the city. Yeah, that's the thing. He may of... not be an actual human-like character, huge character right. like he is in the comics. Um, there was, yeah, I, I read a possibly the same interview. That, uh, I, I never, I haven't read the the Ultimate Galactus that they mm -hmm. that they did, but I guess I something along that it was something along the line of a swarm of bees. So in Ultimate Galactus, um, they Galactus himself is portrayed as this sort of swarm of semi-mechanical sort of kind of like a swarm of bees. Yeah, just these sort of this sort of ring of of satellites that that arrive and, and they they encircle the planet that that they're going to eat and then they they break it down and eat it that way so he's not really this this big guy in a purple suit like he is in the old comics and uh while that doesn't sound as exciting as, as a big guy in a purple suit they did do a good job in the comic at least of sort of getting a sense of dread that that when these monsters arrive and they're going to destroy the planet and everything's going to be terrible so uh it'll really whether that works in the film will depend on the kind of tone that they're able to apply to the movie. It certainly makes yeah, the, sense. The for movie an does look—it does look pretty serious as a movie. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, you gotta love the old costume, but it—I don't know if it's too kitschy for trying yeah. to put it in a movie these days. You know, that's and what it, I was. It thinking. makes sense from a Marvel Ultimate kind of way of thinking, and that you mm -hmm. know, swarm of machines makes more sense to try to devour a planet than a big guy in a purple suit. Right. Exactly. And I mean, the Ultimate line of comics is. It really kind of has the same editorial idea that the that a movie would, and that it, the idea is that it's supposed to present these ideas to a new audience, and so it's sort of updating classic Marvel ideas for a, a more sophisticated audience. So it would make sense to apply stuff from the Ultimate Comics to the movies. Yeah, I mean, we we can only hope um, it doesn't bode well that it it is 
being directed by the same guy who directed the first one. Right. So, <laughs> so we can it's going to only go up. Yep. Yes. Right. And uh, there's been a lot of interviews this week with uh, Julian McMahon, who played Doctor Doom. He's he's mm-hmm. definitely still in it. Um, they're going to revive him somehow. Uh, he talked a lot about how he is wearing numerous outfits in it, um, including when he gets the power from Silver Surfer, for those of you familiar with the comic storyline, mm-hmm. that he will get to be Julian McMahon again, which which they always do in movies. Yeah, they, they never want him to wear the, the helmets or masks, do they? Well, it, ma- it makes sense from a feature filmmaking standpoint. This this uh-huh. this is a recurring theme in, in all superhero movies and TV shows, is a lot of superheroes wear masks. You don't spend $20 million to get a big-name actor to put him in a film to cover up his face. Unless it's Willem Dafoe, apparently. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you know, that's why so many times Spider-Man gets the mask ripped off or at least torn in half or, or right. has scenes without the costume or everything. It's, it's, were... it's always been that way. You go back all the way back to, you know, 40s and 50s and superhero mm-hmm. live-action stuff. I mean, that's you know, when they cast an actor, they want to see the actor. Right, right. And the actors don't like to have their faces covered either. No, not as well. Although, they, I thought they were pretty good about that in the first Spider-Man, that he wasn't... Yeah. I mean, when he was being a superhero, he was in the Spider-Man costume with the mask. Yeah, I'd say they've done a better balance of that than, than a lot of other films have done. Well, it, that, it kind of makes it easy for him, because the Spider-Man story has always been more about Peter Parker and his trials and tribulations. Yep. Him being Spider-Man is almost an aside to just... I, mean, I always thought that Spider-Man was really about this poor nerd who has to be a superhero and somehow fit it in with the rest of his life. Um, So speaking of casting a known actor and then covering up their face or not covering up their face, um, in Dark Knight Returns, the the sequel to uh, Batman Begins, Aaron Eckhart just got cast as Harvey Dent. As Harvey. Yep. As far as we know, in this this film, he won't be turning into Two-Face. He's just going to be there as Harvey Dent. Just Harvey Dent. Yep, just Harvey Dent at this point. Um, Hopefully he'll have more of a function in the story than, than Harvey Dent did in the, the yeah, then, Batman back in 89. Than um, Billy D. Williams. Yeah. Yep. Um, the only other major casting on that really right now is obviously Heath Ledger playing the Joker, for those right. who didn't know that. Um, yep. The other casting is that um, the the female lead from the first film will still be the female lead in the second film, just not being played by the same actress. Yeah, I read that the rumor is uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal is. Yeah, is... she's been one of the actresses mentioned. Yep. Yep. But I have... didn't find that to be a particularly memorable character, so I don't really yeah, think it matters it, one I way mean, or the well, other. Well, and I, I think it was mostly Katie Holmes. Katie Holmes, I thought, was the weakest part of that film. Yeah. And I just, yeah, I, mean, I, don't, I don't think anyone was disappointed or upset when she dropped out. Yeah. Although there's been conflicting reports. Mm-hmm. Some si- some people say that they didn't ask her back or didn't want her back. Some people say that they would have been happy to have her back, but she declined to do it. Either yeah. way, she's not in it. I'm happy about it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I think they're they're kind of they're worrying over nothing. I don't think the audience is going to care whether it's the same character or a different character. Yeah. I don't think. I just or don't think or it whether matters. you need a female lead. Hmm? What's that? And whether you need a female lead or not, I, yeah. mean, we, we could go, I could go on a long diatribe about that in superhero films. Yes, we could. Um, <laughs> I, you know, but the, the bottom line is Hollywood thinks you do, so there's yeah. going to be one. Yeah. Uh, I was just saying, it helps to bring in a female audience, I think. If there's somebody who's there that they can at least not even, not necessarily identify with, but somebody who at least they can, you know feel like they're a part of the story with, you know, right. somebody that they're not alienated from the story, you know? Mm-hmm. I think there's probably something to that. It's And it's kind of a pity that Batman's backstory, rich as it is, there really aren't very many good female characters in his 
backstory. No, there's there's yeah. he's had some interesting memorable female leads over over the mm-hmm. time. He's had he's had love interests, but they've none of them lasted. Obviously, he doesn't have the Lois Lane. There's there's no right. one central female who's been the main female lead in, in his entire story. Yeah, you know, Spider Man's had at least two, possibly more. Mm-hmm. He's he's gone from one long term stuff to another. I mean, you know, you can even count Betty Brant and you know, this is a long time. And Aunt May. Yeah. Aunt May. <laughs> so switching over Female to lead. Hmm. So switching over to animated uh, story number four for this week as uh, uh, press release that uh, DC put out for the Superman Doomsday DVD. This mm-hmm. is the first in a line of DC direct-to-DVD movies. These are getting very popular now. A lot of people are doing them. Marvel's been very successful with them with the Ultimate Avengers 2 movies, the uh, Iron Man movie that just came out recently. Oh. There's a fourth one, Doctor Strange, coming out soon. Uh, a lot of studios are experimenting with this, uh, taking old shows and things like that and doing direct-to-DVD. It's a market that's that's coming on strong. And DC, back at uh, Comic-Con this year, announced that they're going to do several of them, and this is the first one. Um, it will be out, I believe, sometime this year. I haven't actually seen a release date on it. Uh, basically, it is telling the death of Superman's story. What, how detailed it's going to be, we don't know. Whether it's going to cover the other characters, whether it's just going to be him. Um, they have announced some casting when they announced the press release this week. Uh, Adam Baldwin will be Clark Kent, Superman. and Interesting choice. Yep, yep. And Haish is Lois Lane. And James Marsters from... Uh, well, from Buffy the Vampire Slayer as Spike, but most recently playing Brainiac on Smallville, will be playing Lois Lane. Oh, and by that, you actually mean Lex <laughs> Luthor. By that, I actually mean Lex Luthor, yes. yes. Oh, okay. I was about to say, hmm, <laughs> interesting casting choice. Lois Lane would be interesting. <laughs> Let's just have him play everyone. He can play the entire cast. It's Andy. Yeah. People <laughs> more recently are probably familiar with Adam Baldwin from Firefly and also from mm-hmm. uh, Angel. Uh, to yeah. me, he will always be my bodyguard. <laughs> He has also um, done, he's been on uh, the Justice League animated. Yeah, before. that's right. He has done voices on that. He was uh, Jonah Hex. Yep. My favorite comic book character mm. on, uh, on the, episode, the time travel episode. Actually, they did uh, several interviews this week with Bruce Tim, uh, one of the producers from the, the DC Animated Universe, who mm-hmm. is producing all of these directed DVDs. And he mentioned Jonah Hex as one of the characters he'd really like to do. Yeah, I'd love to see it. They've they've had him on the the various different series twice. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'd love to see them do see him get something on his own without uh, just being a guest star in somebody else's show. Well, my hope is that going direct to DVD, they just they don't go kid with it, which which, which right. would be brave for DC. I mean, Marvel mm-hmm. was supposed to be doing that, and. I really don't feel they fully committed to that with the Ultimate Avengers. I don't Avengers. think they that really was, did that at all. That was really my well, biggest is, complaint with Ultimate Avengers. This mm-hmm. is a story where they really can do that because it can get it's a pretty serious story. I mean, there's quite a bit of violence in the comic mm-hmm. and depending on when they stop the plot for this, you know, it could be uh, all the way into a funeral scene and Right. You know, yeah, because really what else without the follow up the story ends with Superman dying and then right. there's like yeah. a year's worth of follow up stories and I doubt if they're gonna do all that in one movie. Well I have yeah, read that's references that dense. he Oh I was gonna say it's probably a little too dense if they try to <laughs> yeah, continue the story into that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if they're gonna do all the supplemental characters, but I have read references to him wearing the black outfit. Okay. You know that would follow and you know what I find interesting too is that uh I remember that announcement when uh, Bruce Timm came out and said that, that after uh, Justice League Unlimited ended, this was the next thing that he was going to do was this series of movies, the Superman one, 
And then he's got a, the Teen Titans and the DC New Frontier coming right. up after that. Those are the other ones that they've mentioned. Is, is Teen mm -hmm. Titans, it would be the Judas Contract storyline with Marv right. Wolfman involved and the New, New Frontier. Mm -hmm. And his, his thought at the time was that he was going to do the animation in the style of those comics. Mm -hmm. So, like, the, the Teen Titans one would be in the, the style of George Perez's artwork from, from that story. Which would line. be amazing. Right, and the New Frontier would be in the style of Darwin Cook's art for that, which wouldn't be a stretch because Darwin Cook started out as a character designer for the uh, Batman Beyond anyway. Hmm. Um, what I find interesting, though, is I did I haven't seen any pictures from, from Superman Doomsday yet, but I've seen no. the solicitation for the tie-in toys for the action figures. <laughs> That's funny. And they are in the standard... Um, uh, DC animated style that, that Batman and Superman and Justice League have been in. See, I'm not even sure how far they are in the actual animation on that for them. To yeah, exactly. have but, stuff to show. Um, uh, the one thing I'm kind of worried about is, I mean, we love Bruce Timm. I mean, obviously, he did some genius stuff uh, over the years with all the DC animated series, but he also did the most recent Superman directed DVD movie. Actually, he did not. He did not work on that. Are you sure about that? I don't, I don't remember seeing his name in the credits on that one. The other guys that worked on, that worked with him. Oh, okay did it but i do not believe I knew that, that it, he it, was... it did involve at least one of the producers from the the superman animated series right but i don't think it was him i don't remember seeing which, his. which was bizarre considering it bore no resemblance whatsoever to the superman animated series yeah i would i would hope that he he wasn't involved and in i would hope that it would have been a lot better if he had he had had some direct involvement in it because it was pretty awful so still talking about animated, uh, they have announced a new Spider-Man animated series. It will be called The Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, this will be produced for Kids WB, so it will be airing alongside Teen Titans and Batman, uh, The Batman. It will be for fall of 2008. Um, Greg Weissman is producing uh, for people familiar with the series Gargoyles. He was the, he was the main creative person on that. Hmm. And uh, that was I wasn't that into that, but I, I seem to remember that it was kind of ahead of its time as far as having an ongoing story as opposed to just individual episodes. It definitely, yeah. They had, they had recurring plot lines that went through the whole series, and particularly the season two of that was one single storyline that, that went throughout the entire year. Mm -hmm. So that's the really writing, yeah, that the is writing could be a bit more ambitious. Yep, so it could, could be a cut above. Um, it will not be all CGI. It will be regular animation. There may be some CGI elements. Uh, mm. In terms of time period, uh, the difference is it will cover the early years of, of him just becoming Spider-Man. It'll be high school. So it won't be like the MTV animated series that was done recently mm -hmm. right after the first movie that was set in his college years. Same thing with the animated series from the 90s was set in his college years. This will be a y much younger Peter Parker. That might be fun. They they did kind of jump through that quickly, even in the film. Yep. They kind of yeah, he started high school, in high school, but then within a week he was he was out of high school. Right, exactly. Yeah, lots I of uh, teenage angst that's uh, ripe for mining there. I think so. <laughs> Worked for seven years of Buffy. That's right. <laughs> well, if Spider Man's yeah, Spider Man's in high school for seven years for this one, I might be kind of worried there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know his his. Grades are going to slip if he's having to be a superhero in his free time. It's giving so, him a little bit of slack. Oh, something I was going to mention back on the Iron Man story. Um, its release date, I said, it was May eighth, two thousand eight, and at the time that they that they decided that a couple months ago, that seemed like really good territory to stake out. They were getting ahead of everyone else. No one else had had, had taken May eighth at that point. Since then, they have announced that the next Indiana Jones film is scheduled for May eighth. Eek! Yeah, that'll change. Then Iron Man will move. Yeah, you yeah. think Iron Man would move? Although at this point, you know, does anyone know that the Indiana Jones is really happening or not? They say for the 
eighth time that it's really happening this time. Well, it sounds to me like like what they were waiting for was Spielberg to get on board, and it sounds like he maybe he's finally on board. Yeah. Well, hopefully it doesn't bump our favorite shellhead. Right. <laughs> or hopefully they'll move him up, if nothing else. Move, so, him, move him to before. Back to Spider-Man 3. Um, the, the big news on that this week was the seven minutes of footage that came out on Monday. Um, mm-hmm. They showed a trailer during Heroes, but then online at NBC, uh, they had several scenes online. I don't know if you guys had a chance to watch those. I did. It was uh, it was three extended scenes. I mean, it was more than just you know the quick shots of a trailer at the, for the beginning. the uh, The first scene was of um, oh god, it's been a couple of days since I watched it here. It was of <laughs> well, it was him and, and MJ May, and right? Park. The first yes, scene was him and MJ in the, the park. park with the with uh, not him proposing, but him deciding to propose. Yes, Sits laying there on the wave, looking up at the stars. Very romantic. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and then it segued into Peter talking with his Aunt May, Aunt May reminiscing about uh, time with Uncle Ben, and she decided that she wants to have uh, her ring be the ring that Peter gives to Mary Jane when he officially asks her to marry him. And, uh, and then the scene after that, I believe, is when uh, Peter's driving along, you know, scooting on his motor scooter, and then all of a sudden you see... Harry Osborn swooping down, putting the smackdown on on Peter, of course, out of costume, um, and he's super pissed about him, of course, because of the when Peter indirectly was responsible for uh, for Harry's dad's death for the original Green Goblin there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was a great fight scene. It was it was very long, and I was surprised at how long just that one fight scene was. Yeah, I was surprised how much of that action sequence they showed. Yeah, and it looked really good too. I mean, it looked definitely looked finished. It looked, it didn't look forced for any of the CG, and uh, yeah, I mean, you you felt like you were there. You know, it felt like you were going along for the ride for these two guys. But it always just kind of amazes me how much punishment you know both of these two guys can take when it comes to them you know beating up on each other and you know nothing really bad happens to them. They're not you know bleeding out of their eyeballs or anything yeah i was a little surprised at some some of the impacts and stuff but that's i guess a concede you got to go with with, yes. with it is superhero movie superhero stuff. movie stuff yeah there. so uh, it's probably a good right. chance there to discuss spoiler policy um since we'll be doing this podcast hopefully weekly and, and talking about stuff and talking about a lot of things that are out there online yes. to me spoiler would be any non-spoiler would be anything that's public if it's if it's been released in a press release, if they've actually announced it, um, if if they've shown it in a trailer, to me that's not a spoiler, you know. But we'll try to keep out of things that are things that are speculative, that are people talking about yes. plot points of you know what is supposed to happen. Because I try right, not to know right. that if I can avoid it anyway, just yeah. because it it still keeps the film interesting. Yeah, exactly. I'm not that interested. I'm more interested in in little details like casting and stuff. Right. I, I don't I don't want to know the story. I'll I'll go see the movie. Right. So yeah, and so I mean, there are people who consider trailers. I mean, like for me, I watch a trailer sometimes and think, "Wow, I wish they hadn't shown me that much." I mean, like I thought that fight sequence was—I was surprised at how much of that they showed. But to me, you know, if it's been out there in a, in a publicly available, you know, trailer or press release mm-hmm. or talked about in an interview, it's right. public information. So we will definitely discuss it here. Yeah, right. and so this one looks really good. I mean, the, yep. the action scenes look good. The uh, the you know the characters look like they've matured and they're more really comfortable with who they are. 
Yeah. yeah, the only thing that concerns me is it seems like they're trying to squeeze an awful lot of story yeah. into one movie. They've got Harry wanting revenge. They've got Peter and MJ trying to get married. And on top of that, they've got Venom and they've got the Sandman and they've got... Um, the whole black costume story uh, separate from Venom. Right, and on top of that, his other girlfriend, the one that uh, what's her yeah, face, Gwen Stacy. Yeah, yeah, Gwen Stacy. So that's that's a that's like four movies worth of material, mm-hmm. and it, it it I get concerned because it's you know you see it, I see it a lot lately in Smallville, where you've got a series and they're starting to run out of ideas, and so they start <laughs> piling on new characters to cover for the <laughs> fact that they don't have anything left to say about their main character. Yeah. That definitely could be a uh, issue. And it definitely looks like they're trying to pack a lot in that film. I think a lot of it could be that that Sam Raimi probably doesn't intend to go beyond three. I mean, he's I don't think he, he does. He's talked about possibly doing it, but just this week there were several stories coming out with interviews from Tobey Maguire of him basically mm-hmm. saying that he he kind of feels done after this one. I know that right. all, all of the major actors, James Franco, Harry, uh, and you know, MJ and Peter, were all set for three films. And sure. they've, they've now done the three films. So, and I think that's—I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily. Well, and I think definitely Tobey Maguire would go, but I—I I could see definitely the studio, you know, Sony wanting to make more. That that franchise makes a lot of money, and the way three looks, three could make even more. Right. I mean, it looks yeah. really really good. And yeah, so but we'll wouldn't see. it be nice if for once they could just let it end on a high note? Yeah, it could be good before <laughs> they not... do three movies that suck afterwards. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, that could be good. So here's hoping. Yep. I mean, yeah, there's plenty more material they could cover, but I just, I just, sure. it seems like it's hard to sustain major big budget movie series for for the long, especially when you start having to recast. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Characters. I mean, they've they've obviously got the precedent. It, 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 yeah. it was done with Batman, and it, it financially it did successfully. So mm-hmm. I could see them easily, you know, uh, putting in. Uh, Trying to think of his name, uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal's brother. Yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake, oh, they were Jake talking Hall. about that yeah. when yeah, that was when they were the, doing the second. That was basically movie. the threat that they the, rumored to be the threat that they used against Tobey Maguire when Tobey Maguire almost didn't come back for Spider Man Two. That they uh-huh. basically told him they've already done the fittings for Jake Gyllenhaal to get into uh-huh. the suit. <laughs> <laughs> no actor is irreplaceable. Yeah. yeah, and they can always do a different era of Spider Man's life uh-huh. and just kind of mature him a little bit into sure. another actor. You never know. You've got 30 years a, of stuff to sure. do. Actually, yeah. it's, it's 40 years now, isn't it? It's Spider-Man it is 64. 63, 64, so yeah, yeah. almost 45 yeah. years. Wow. Yep. So yeah, there's quite a bit of stuff coming out for uh-huh. Spider-Man 3 there. There's the the video blogs that they've been having on their website. Yeah, I haven't been watching those because those sometimes um, I feel do give more than what I want to know. Oh, these haven't really been giving any sort of plot points. It's more of a behind-the-scenes, here's how this actor feels about how they did in this scene. Like, the most recent one, they went into the the trailers of the the props, um, into the costuming, and they just, you know, talked about, you know, here's my safe full of weapons and that type of stuff. So uh, it's good for, you know, behind-the-scenes material. But, uh, yeah, thankfully, it's not giving away you know, here's what's going to happen in the movie type type stuff. Right, yeah, official stuff like that usually doesn't. Right. And there's some stuff out uh, that's not that exciting to talk about, and, and marginally superhero. Um, they are going to be doing a new pilot and possibly a series of Flash Gordon. You know, it's um, funny. I saw, when you sent your email the day I saw that, and I, w- I remember thinking just yesterday that, you know, it's been a while since anybody did anything with Flash Gordon. I wonder when they'll drag Yeah, there was an the animated again. series, I believe, in the 90s that was like mm-hmm. young Flash Gordon. Yeah, and 
DC did a comic book series in the 80s. They did a they did a Flash Gordon yeah, comic book series that. in the late 80s. Pretty, I mean, not not anything to do with the the movie from 1980, but they're just sort be, of an attempt to revitalize. They're going to be doing a pilot of the Bionic Woman because right? there were a whole lot of people that were petitioning to make that happen. Hmm. I wonder if there's a whole lot of audience for something like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. They haven't announced any of the major casting for it. They announced, like, today that I, I believe they had cast her little sister. Huh, okay, well, got to start somewhere, I guess. Yeah. Um, they're, they're, this one that has a good chance, I think, of getting to be a series is the Sarah Connor Chronicles, which is basically between the time period of Terminator 2 and Terminator 3, mm -hmm. uh, more adventures of Sarah Connor and John Connor. And uh, Sarah Connor is uh, getting played in the pilot by Lena Hetty, who uh, stars in 300, opening on Friday. Right. And uh, Thomas Decker, most recently of Heroes, um, playing Claire's friend on there, is John Connor. Huh. huh. Yeah, it could be interesting. Could be interesting. Could be bad. It's interesting material for a, a series, but it the, the problem I have with it is because it's set between two movies we know how the story ends already yeah that's, that's and that can be an issue immediately makes it less interesting to me because there can't really be any surprises unless they want to you know unless they want to circumvent the the movie that takes place afterward right. and that doesn't interest me either you know if they want to do that why not just come up with a new series that's about a similar situation yep. i'm probably with you on that one yeah uh, you know i i, I like the Terminator movies, though, so I'll, I'll watch it when it comes on. I won't yep. be able to help myself. Okay, so about the last thing to talk about it in terms of stuff for right now is uh, TMNT, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, although I, I really, I thought it looked cool in the poster that they just went with TMNT because, you know, everyone got that. But in right. the movie trailers, they're actually saying TMNT, which I think is a little stupid. Yeah, they should actually say Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, that's out March twenty third. Um, not really much that I know of to say about it, other than it is all CGI. Um, right. The trailers that have been out look really, really cool. Um, I'm not sure if it's even really interesting. People doing any of the voices or anything. Oh uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, talk about flogging a dead horse is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I know that the, the reason they're doing it is because of the current animated series, which you know probably most of us aren't watching because. You know, we'd already seen it. They'd already done it when we were younger. Though. Right. They're, they're doing it all over again, and it's it's actually doing pretty well. Oh, okay. So that, that would be why they're, they're doing a whole other new generation on. is yep. uh, learning about it there. Whole other generation loving the turtles. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're welcome so is to the, it. So does the, the movie have the same sense of humor as the cartoon series from the early 90s? or? Um, as far as I can tell, I mean, it's definitely the same sensibility, the same yeah. as, you know, the, the live-action movies from back then and, and the animated series. That's it for our news this week, but keep checking it out at SuperheroCinema.com every day. Okay, and so let's discuss the big, big, big news today. It's Wednesday, and it's New Comic Day, and they just right. announced the death of Captain America. Right. The death you of know, America. it always cracks me up. I'm going to be a little cynical here, and I don't, I'm not happy with myself for being I'm, cynical. I'm going to probably be right with you. <laughs> but I always find it really funny that whenever an, a comic publisher does an attention-grabbing stunt like this, the, the general news media always eats it up, whereas... People who are involved in comics fandom and people who read comics every week, we know better. You know, right. We know it's a stunt. We know he'll be back in less than six months, if not next month. Comic book characters, especially characters like Captain America, never go away. 
Yeah. You know, that's, I, it's I, a sun. I found it interesting only from the standpoint of, you know, waking up first thing this morning and seeing on the Marvel.com news that, uh, you know, a hero has been shot and it was a story from the Daily Bugle and a headline, mm-hmm. you know, out on the front steps of the courthouse being taken in was one of the one of the ringleaders of the of the anti-civil of the uh, anti-registration movement. So obviously it was going to be him. Yeah. So, so I knew it was going to be Captain America. But there was just a little bit of, you know, pseudo momentary excitement about just mm-hmm. doing it. But I, I, I'm with you. It's it, it was for the mainstream media because the mainstream yeah. media was going to run it as a story and act just uh, like it was when when Superman died, when Superman married Lois Lane, that these are significant events that actually change things completely. And in comics, that just very rarely happens. Usually lasts for a year or less. And right. then Particularly pretty death. Much back to normal. Interestingly enough, the marriages have lasted longer than the deaths. Yeah. And, you know, although I, I was talking to the guy at the comic shop today about, he made an interesting point. Um, he was uh, rehashing something that he had talked to somebody else about, but basically this person was saying, was uh, I guess they were talking to Tom Brevoort, who's one of Marvel's editors-in-chief, about, you know, why do you guys keep doing this? You keep saying that you're going to have these big earth-shattering events, and then, you know, a year, five years later, it's like it never happened. And uh, this editor made a very good point. He said, you know, most people don't read Marvel comics for more than five years at a go. And so they can kind of reset every five or six years because they pretty much have a new audience at that time. And they can start, you know, they can basically reset and, and do a lot of the same stuff again or do different stuff. But they can, you know, yeah, they've big supposed events like the death of Captain America don't last very long because the audience switches over. and I thought about that and I thought yeah you know that's true most people that I know that read comics are like you Michael they they read them and then they stopped and they don't they maybe they keep up but they don't actually read them month to month anymore yeah that's pretty much and even I I don't read like I don't follow universes like that you know I've been reading comics for 30 years but I don't I, I jump in and out you know I haven't read Marvel books for that entire time I've got huge stretches of time where I wasn't reading any Marvel books right and all I'm pretty much doing at this point is the overview i read about it online read read Mm. reviews of books very rarely read an actual book Uh, so basically get the overview of of each of the universes Mm -hmm. i buy the distributor catalog every month and read all the the little uh little synopsis uh, solicitations for for stuff coming out that i find they keep up pretty well doing that none of this is in any way intended to put out of business the wonderful comic book shop operators of america no, no, no. <laughs> no, kitties keep still buying comics. Yeah, keep still buying comics. Just be selective. Buy, buy the good comics. Right, right. Buy the good comics. Keep Don't fall for good the characters. Tricks. Help creep. Keep creating fodder for new movies and TV series. Yes, yes, exactly. That would that would you be do. one of my more cynical feelings on the Captain America one. Is is that the two leaders of the Civil War on each side were Captain America and Iron Man? Right. And Iron Man has an actual feature film going into production next week. Captain America, who they'd wanted to do as the first Marvel character getting his movie, they couldn't get it going. So mm-hmm. it's still they still plan to do it, but it's not happening for at least the next year or two. So they're free right. and clear to kill off the character and not have it affect any current or future movie plans. Yeah, and plus that keeps him in the headlines. And so the next time they go to some Hollywood exec and say, hey, what about Captain America? He'll go, oh, yeah, people care about Captain America. Yeah. Let's do him as a movie. So. Yeah, there seemed to be quite the outcry when Captain America was killed here. I was just kind of poking mm-hmm. around the Marvel forums, and there were quite a few people who were like, how could you do this? You know, he's a yeah. great, great character. And, and how, how can they not know? He'll be back. He'll be back yeah. in no time. Yeah. But it, it was really a good, um, good series, the whole Civil War series. And I think this mm-hmm. is just a great exclamation point because, yeah, I mean, it was 
earth-shattering for I guess for this five-year chunk of Marvel time. You know everything that happened right. to these characters. You know, I mean, you had the uh, yeah, of course, Captain America getting killed and Spider-Man, Peter Parker revealing himself. I mean, I I was just floored when I first saw that issue. Mm-hmm. So I'm yeah, still I mean, Marvel's for that to doing get reset. Yeah, true. Well, and was everybody know, amnesia? That's out there. <laughs> what's What's interesting too, you know. It, I always have mixed feelings about great big crossover events like this, but it does sort of illustrate the difference between comic books and movies as far as, you know, yeah, you can put a comic book character in a movie, but you can't really tell stories like Civil War in the movies. You, no. Only comics can do something like that. Right. Although uh, last week DC made really big news with announcing that they were going to, that well, not DC, Warner Brothers, that they, that they planned to do a Justice League movie. Um, they've, hired, mm-hmm. they've hired a pair of writers to start working on a script. They obviously aren't saying what characters are involved, so the big debates whether Superman and Batman would be involved since those are active franchises. Right. Everyone, everyone would love to see those characters start crossing over in their movies. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, if they could make it work, I'd love yeah. to see it. Who knows how where they're going to go on that. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's that's the closest that we've ever seen to, to a real announcement of, of them talking about actually doing that. Mm-hmm. And acknowledging that that their characters live in a universe with each other, the movies are all, always deal with each, yeah. you know, Superman and nothing else. Well, and they then, always allude to that. They'll always yeah, like, they drop make a little, little hints. Yeah, they'll say like, I I can't remember which one of it is, but one of the Batman films of the '90s where you know Alfred made some offhand comment to the to the guy in Metropolis or something like that. Right, and they, they I think there was a Gotham reference in the the Superman Returns and. Yeah. So far, oh, and I think maybe the reason why they're entertaining the idea again is seeing that, that X-Men worked. Yeah. You know, the first two films worked really well. The third one, I guess, at least worked financially. Yeah, and yeah I so believe they're... you're right. I think that is really the main reason why they're, why they're thinking about it. Mm-hmm. They're thinking about uh, I, I I would be surprised if, if Superman and Batman, they'll probably be there in spirit, but I'd be surprised if they were there as central characters. I think you'd probably be looking at it. Well, I mean, I think in the in the comic, the original lineup was like Green Arrow and Aquaman and and the Martian Manhunter, and none of the big guys were really in the team when it first when the the, the comic book first started. Was it? I can't remember. The one thing I do remember is that Green Arrow did have the distinction of being the first character added. He was he was the first non-original member. He was the mm-hmm. first new member added. Right. That was like a really big deal when they did that. They yeah. like had a big voting when thing. Add somebody. Yep. So something I know Jefferson would like to talk about, and and I love to talk about it too. My my only misgiving is is I think there's a lot of really good podcasts out there discussing it. Is heroes, which heroes, which, which yeah, heroes. Know, when when you're going to talk about superhero movies and TV shows, I mean, heroes to me is radically redefining everything. I mean, it's completely taking everything by storm. It's 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 doing mm-hmm. right what what we always wanted done right, and it's and it's being done I think that way because it's taken out of the context. Yeah. I'll tell you the single reason why I think uh, Heroes works so well. It, in terms of the writing, the sort of soap opera style of the writing, it's it's very much like the X Men comics of the '80s and '90s. But what they've done to make it work is they've just they, no costumes. I think I think superhero costumes are the biggest turnoff. I think they're the biggest reason why the mainstream audience can't really get into superhero stories on the screen, is because superhero costumes look dumb on film. On real people, they look silly. Plain and simple. And so with heroes, you've got everything that matters about a superhero story without the sort of decorative trappings that, that serve to turn off people who aren't hardcore comic fans. Yeah, there's no spandex there, right? Right, exactly, exactly. Well, that's why for X-Men they went to the uh, leather outfits. But even those look pretty goofy. Yeah. I mean, 
really. Um, but yeah, I think Heroes really, that's the one, I mean, I think it's written really well and they've got a, an engaging story, but the way, the reason they've been able to sell superheroes to the mainstream audience is, is with, because they got rid of the costumes. Yeah, I think that's definitely a big factor. I think it's still the biggest factor is just, it's, it's just so well written. I mean, the last, the last two weeks in a row, I literally spent an entire hour with my mouth gaping open, <laughs> just expletive after another just uh-huh. just you know one moment to the next just disbelieving like you know one one really cool surprise after another right that's great right. because you can't really anticipate where everything's gonna go you can't say oh i know what's gonna happen this next week da, 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 da. and everything is so tied together i mean that's yeah it, it, i mean it's almost getting to the point where it's a little bit ludicrous how much it's tied together but you still find it exciting i mean it's yeah. still very very cool with each new revelation on there Mm-hmm. And and you gotta love hero. Hero's hilarious. Yes, yeah, def- <laughs> definitely. At least in the initial episodes, I mean, he was the first big entry. You know, for most people, for for myself, definitely into it. it was just he was just such a charming character. Right, and he was so he was sort of a because he he obviously read comic books and mm-hmm. he was and he was just, he was one of he, us. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And he was he was not a, a sort of cynical, jaded fan. Yep. He was a very hopeful, happy. Fan, you know, yeah, every was, single other character on the show had angst about what was happening to them, and Hero was just on the ride of his life. Yeah, he's the only one who was happy about it. And, and they turned uh, that around recently. I mean, and now he's he started to get a little more angst ridden, but then he kind of turned it around this week. But yeah, still compared to everybody else, yeah, <laughs> they're all pretty gloomy compared to him. And you need a character like that in a show like that. I think I think he uh, he does help the series immeasurably because he keeps the tone from getting too too gloomy and depressing yeah definitely love the show it's it's become you know our appointment television every week it's it's mm-hmm. it's the one show for the week that you just if i don't watch it immediately i know the next day when i go online it's you know i'm not going to be able to look at anything because right. i don't want anything <laughs> right. ruined and i know that there's going to be huge amount of surprises uh it creates a little bit of agony for for me and my wife because we're also big fans of 24 and ah. the two shows are on at the same time <laughs> yeah we decided we watch to watch heroes for this season yeah gotta watch heroes exactly yeah. Yeah. and and heroes consistently pretty much i think ever since the f- the very first week that 24 came back it did win but every single week afterwards heroes has has very much gone over it in the ratings and when I, I love the addition of uh, Eric Roberts to the cast, yeah. too. This will be his, if you count his animated stuff, I think this will be his fourth supervillain that he's played. He was Mongol. Okay. And he was... Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's why I see He was yeah. Deathstroke on the Teen Titans. Oh, yep. And he was one other character that I'm not remembering right now, but he's one other big sort of dark side-like villain. And it was, I think it was, it was either in Superman or Justice League. I can't gotcha. remember which. Uh, and he was the master in Doctor Who at one time, so right, yeah. that's kind of a fun little tie-in yeah. too, especially since uh, Christopher Eccleston's on the show. Yeah, yeah. Although not obviously not the same Doctor with the same master, right? Right. No. But yes, a nice tie-in, and Eccleston is great on that show. He is. He is always great. Yeah. He is actually great in everything I've ever seen. I haven't, he hasn't done much. He's really selective, but everything I've seen him in, he's just been pretty fantastic. Yeah, in a show where everything was great to begin with, I mean, his addition was just, you know. <laughs> very welcome and, and incredible yeah. and, a, and a great show. Great character, sure. and, yep. and he yeah. plays it well. Yeah. And then to have the addition of, I love the, I guess it was a week before last, the, the flashback episode, mm-hmm. um, seeing how um, different Eccleston's character was. Yeah. You know, he was so such a company man. Yep. And you know, I can't wait to hear how he goes gets from that to the bitter, angry street bum that, that we met earlier. Well, a couple bullets in the chest and a bridge fall might do that. Yeah, that'll, <laughs> surely it'll push you in the right direction, but... It'll, I'll, hopefully they'll they'll 
let us see a little bit more of that story. And yeah. that is maybe my only beef about the series is the seemingly endless breaks in, in transmission. Uh-huh. We, get, we yeah. get some episodes, and then they take it off for, what, it's off for five weeks now, I think? Yeah, something like that. But they've only done that twice, haven't they? Yeah, that just it maybe just seems like more. Yeah, because they, they ran quite a few episodes. It was like 11 episodes, I think, right right in a row when it first aired. And then, yeah, the first run was 11. And, yeah, and then they broke for like four weeks, and, and now they're breaking for, yeah, I think five or six weeks it comes back. Mm-hmm. Like come back April again. 23rd, I believe. Right. I guess I'm just an impatient man. <laughs> yeah, no, with this series, that's that's definitely understandable. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, wait. you can't get enough. You want to you want to know what happens next, uh-huh. especially well, the, way, I mean, the way they left it. I mean, they left it with like seven plot threads dangling. Yeah, and you know what's great yeah. is they're all pretty strong plot threads too. They're not. There's not one that I feel like I could do without. You know, all the threads they're running are uh, are interesting. I, I don't really see them. I I wouldn't miss. I mean, I, I would miss any of them if they mm-hmm. if they dropped any of them. I'd be okay if they dropped Suresh. I mean, he's really? he's okay, but yeah, he's just not really doing it for me. I don't think huh. that he's really contributing to the the excitement of the show. I mean, he's there to you know provide some some plot about the list, but overall, yeah, I, I could do without him. I think one yeah. plot thing had been that. For a couple of weeks there, people were essentially saying, okay, Suresh is a genius because he seems really stupid. Right. <laughs> Just the whole Siler <laughs> thing, getting fooled by him and taking him along know, with him. But then he redeemed himself on Monday. Yeah, they yes. turned that around this week. I am. Um, I mean, in theory, he should be the character that, that explains everything to the audience. But he's been so not involved in, in the interesting plot points that have been going on that I don't really see him filling that role as the the explainer because all the the really interesting stuff has been happening in texas and we're in the part of the story that he doesn't have anything to do with the stuff in texas and the stuff in, in uh, las vegas well and i think you know with this show things will tie together in ways that we don't see yet so yeah so i definitely you know will hold out hope that that suresh will fully tie in at some point again yeah hopefully so true. well that's going to wrap it up for our first show Um, If you haven't already, click on the subscribe link on our website to subscribe to the podcast or find us on iTunes under Superhero Cinema. If you have news stories, suggestions for what you want us to talk about, or any comments on the show, send us an email at podcast at superherocinema.com, or you can leave us a voicemail on Skype. Our Skype name is, surprisingly, Superhero Cinema. I'm Michael. I'm Jefferson. And I'm Jonathan. We hope you listen next week to Superhero Cinema. We're saving the world one fan at a time.